I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we hear with the heels threatening Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the, in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white ones. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. Carrie, you look distracted. Oh, I'm going to send my email. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to send an email, and then Cornell just jumped behind Cornell. I'm like, shit, no one, you know, look at foreshadowment, nothing. So, we ain't seeing each other in a week. Wagwan, what's up? What's tea? I mean, pretty much, much of the, well, most of the same, really, work stuff. Um, there's more stuff than usual being added to my schedule in the next couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how and if everything that needs to be done actually gets done. Um, so there's so that. Is, is this stuff like related to like the regular classes or you have another job? What would you teach? Yeah, so I'm teaching three classes plus a research position plus supposedly writing a dissertation. And since now we're at the point in the semester where uh, students' assignments have to be graded, that is a thing that's also happening. And then there's the job application stuff, which is taking a lot more time than I expected. So it's great. It's a good time. Whatever. I feel like it's whatever. It's not that serious. How about you? Um, well, another rough week, to be quite honest. Um, I did my last set of interviews today for a comms officer, and that one was very tough because the shortlisted candidates were really strong. Um, so yeah, that was a very difficult decision to make. And just regular stuff. As I always say, the flags keep flagging, so yeah, I have to keep things going. But yeah, just the regular, my gaji, my killer myself, my devil, my devil work. Also, it's, so Jamaica's UPR is coming up, but those who don't know, the UPR is Universal Periodic Review. It's a UN charter-based mechanism where states review the human rights record of other states. It happens every four to five years. So JFLAG had submitted a report that we did the last time. So I'm also participating in that. And all of them meeting there because it's based on Jamaica time up in an early morning. So that also is an excellent asterisk. But yeah, and I'm going to self sat there. Blame Javian. I'm going boot camp. Blame Javian. No, when in doubt, blame Javian. It's a concept I live by. So, um, from Sunday to Thursday, we the gym. So, I said, Friday, I sat down before I leave, you know, I'm going to go I can't carry myself. But no, a bitch was at boot camp at the one bag of things, and it was mostly cardio and stuff. But I'm actually better cardio than him. So I actually did finish all of the exercise then. So I was like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was me, Kareem. Wait, hold on. I have a question. Go on. Before, <laughs> before Kareem goes, I wanna I wanted to know if you feel satisfied with your selection as far as the position is concerned. But also, we probably haven't discussed in detail, but your gym regimen, like, is it is it just like a personal trainer kind of thing? Or are you doing in some like uh, CrossFit type situation because the bootcamp thing sounds a bit intense. So, uh, but actually, all right. So, I'm gonna answer the first one first. I don't get to that. So, yes, I am. I think whichever person we had picked would have been great for the role. It was just kind of difficult because each of them had really strong reasons to employ them, and then 
some also considering important considerations to make because of they are they each had like drawbacks in the day. So that's why it was tough to kind of weigh which drawbacks were more significant than others and which positives were stronger than others. Um, but you know, and then we had employed two people after a couple of weeks before, so it's just been a lot of changes at the flags because of you know the transitions that are happening. Um, as far as the gym regiment, so I, I'm gonna be very honest. But go to the man I'm saying, I'm just start. I'm saying, need to look at you know, I'm walking on, arms. I'm keep, you know, I have to keep up downstairs lifting and then keep my ties in check out so I get the definition as well. So when you just tell him things I'm and then you can work with me. So in terms of regimen, we do chest, we do chest and back. And sometimes Sunday, sometimes Monday, but it's usually chest and back, then arms, then legs, then we do shoulders and back, sometimes chest and shoulders. You know, do chest way more these days. Have much, and then on Thursdays we usually do some intensive cardio. So actually, I feel like what I did do on Thursday it was harder than what I did on Saturday, or what I generally do on Thursdays is harder. So yeah, it was just intensive cardio, and I feel like David was more difficult. And also, David have this thing where it's a become a personality. He's not he's not a kind of girl like a background from nothing. So if I say do this, I can show some can do it. Because when I back down, cue the table scene with um a pride. But yeah, so because of that now, when it's says me, we'll just work with anything. It will have crazy exercise for me do because it's say, oh, make an experiment for Glenride, for Glenride or back down. And I'm usually the punishment to end on the stick. But importantly, in the morning times, when I play WAP and twerk, I feel good about myself. And that is why I'm going to the gym. <laughs> Me now, but don't know. Me, what's an hour, but don't know. Child, that's an old conversation. It's not a big circle. Yeah. Not a thing now going over here. So, except a lie. I added three pages to my dissertation, and that counts for something. So, absolutely. Um, and from uh, the three pages, I don't look back on it because I couldn't say, yes, sir, I done it, though. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, my husband was like, so. Um, how was this situation writing today? I'm like, what? It's at the three pages this in but I mean not right now, please. Let me live. But yeah, I mean, same old, same old. I'm almost in the same boat with Cornell, but I think I'm a little bit in denial, slash I've been um procrastinating. Like he's already getting his documents together and I'm sitting here like, hmm, that is something that I should put together, right? Prepare for the job market. Cause my dean recently reached out and she was like well, my director of the program, and she was like, um, should I keep sending you these job things? Are you on the market? And I'm like, yeah, sure, send them. None can hurt. But yeah. I had a weird dream, though. I had a dream that I was, just today, that I was crying to a professor, and I think this is part, really true. I was crying to a professor that I never felt more conflicted in my life about where I want to go next. And that's some real shit. Like, I feel like at the end of my master's degree, I was like, yes, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be the director of here. I'm going to go be the executive director of some LGBTQ organization, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm at the end of my PhD journey. And I'm, well, I'm approaching the end. And I'm like, hmm, what the fuck am I going to do? And I feel so confused. And I feel like I was crying. This one of these professors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to move, man. 
It's always, <laughs> always. I don't tell something going on in my room. Anyways, and I was crying to her. Um, but then the dream took a turn for the while because apparently our wife come home and start wild because the daddy had a message. Jesus Christ. But yeah, I, I, I think it's telling me to confront some things that I've been putting off. Okay. What are you know, I'm not a student, but when I was a student briefly, I identified somewhat with the struggle of a PhD artist, so I can only imagine. So prayers up, you know, with a genuflect before the Lord. I wish <laughs> especially because I don't want her and I'm understand. I also jump market as things work for everybody I look work take a COVID because even like We've noticed a spike in applications at JFAG. And a couple straight man, well, I applied for work at JFAG. And we already do have a straight man on staff um, who's working in the finance department. It, it Hello, is... Richard Quarter. You not get one record that's anything like that. You not get me no problems, girl. There ain't no quarter. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of straight men, today um, we're having a conversation to follow up from the previous, I don't remember what the episode was named, but the episode we did have with... Um, so let me get so this let me get straight. straight. <laughs> yeah, so I have part two, in a sense, to that. We have with us a, a member and representative of the streets, um, Lemar, who has actually spoken to separately about similar issues, and he has some very interesting perspectives that he wants to share. So welcome to the fish tea, Lemar. Welcome, welcome. Oh my God, I feel marginalized. Happy to be here. <laughs> Wow. So, how, does it, how does it feel to be the minority for the first time in your life? <laughs> I'm not for the first time in my life. I actually lived in the States for a short time. Oh, just ever send us coming strong by the bus. Okay. So, I guess the first question to ask, I guess probably maybe some of your friends would ask, why would you come on a podcast like this? Why? Because I like to learn, I like to talk to people with different opinions, different perspectives. Okay. And I'm, 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 I've always been amused by you. Like you're just so funny. So, I know. Hello. Okay. You're funny. <laughs> you're funny. Yeah. <laughs> you are. I mean, as for the natural question for me is, how did you come to this? This place of awareness, right, where you can sit on a podcast like this, um, given the context that you live in, right? Like, how did how did you come? What were you like before you got to that place of awareness, and how did you get there? Well, I, I I just feel I just start I just started to think about it, actually put some thought to it. That's that's how generally I feel where we should be trying to go, like have the conversations, have the the conversations that may be difficult and and come to some sort of understanding. For myself, I had to maybe go on a solo journey in terms of thinking, you know, why am I doing this and why are other people doing this and why are people thinking this way and why would someone discriminate against someone for something that doesn't really affect you in any way. And I also had to bring in theology because I consider myself to be a Christian. And... I, I always had to reconcile, you know, discrimination, discrimination and things that are that, that you'd see in the Bible and, and it's just antithetical to what the Bible says. So in, in an 
in 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 a nutshell, you know, that that's how I had to think. I had to think, what would what would God think of this? And am I really doing myself a disservice by by even even even, even harboring the thoughts of homophobia? So, I would say in high school, um, I, I'm from Spanish Town. I went to San Diego High School. And I can recall, you know, it was just taboo. Much, and, much like many other things were taboo, like oral sex. And at oral sex, where a man performed it on a woman, where a woman performed it on a man, that was taboo at the time. Right. And that was around, say, I started high school in 1998, and that was taboo. And so we have come a long way, and I have come a long way um, alongside how society has gone. So I don't think it's, it's, it's near as bad as one time, and I'm glad for that. So going through high school is something that we never really thought of. We just went along with the crowd, so... You see two, two men and you say, yo, batty boy, this and that and this and that. And we never even thought twice of it. The impact that what we were saying could, could have on the people that we were saying it to. And I remember, you know, you had people that we suspected at school and we, we just make our jokes and not even thinking about the other person. Like, we, we almost didn't care. But I, I'm happy to say that I've seen the change and I've seen the change in myself. I'm starting to actually think about it. And I'm saying, you know, What's really the issue? Why would I look down on another person for our differences? And as a black man, it's even worse because people look at my skin and discriminate. So why would I even care what you do in the bedroom? I'm, 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 at the end of the day, I'm only asking myself, are you a good person? And that's all I need to do. I only associate myself with good people. And I'm, 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 I'm willing to learn. I feel like we have all had to unlearn a lot of things and it's a continuous process as I feel life is a continuous process of learning and today will be another process of learning I feel. Okay. I mean you see you only associate with good people and you associate with glamour so that's very questionable. (laughs) (laughs) You said what now? I have a, a, a valid follow-up or a follow-up though, which is um, oh god, just to carry me, me, me to jump out on it, but it's a comeback. Um, so I guess so my question is because you said you know a lot of people are just going with what they were told. So do you yes. think homophobia is just a matter of oh following our culture, or do you think there's also a personal element to it where persons are decidedly homophobic in the I think nothing is a panacea, nothing is black or white. But I feel like a lot of it is people just following what their friends say and following what they heard. I mean, isn't that what racism is? Like, you grew up in a racist home or whatever you heard, and that's how you form your opinions. I feel like that's how we form our opinions of anything. I, I see men, you know, like, for example, not, not, not wanting to say the number two. Why would you say a few instead of two? It's just because it's a style and it's a trend. And you see your other bridge and I say, you're born up Batman. And you just decide that you have a born up Batman not really knowing why you're doing that. I feel like all the others, like if you call a man fish, I've really asked myself, why are we calling humans fish? Why are you doing that? It's just because another man, you hear next man, I call a man fish. I remember calling him fish too, because that's a cool thing. A lot of things that we do are performative. 
I feel like homophobia in Jamaica, a lot of it is a performance because if you isolate someone and, and really ask them why they're doing this, they don't have a real valid reason. That's what I've started to ask the people that I'm around and people who necessarily have I like like them to start thinking about it. I say, you know, why are you doing this thing? Where you get out of it? Like, why do you why do you even care? Boy, I'm just not associated with them, you know. Boy, I'm not that thing, you know, but there's no actual reason behind it. All right, so have you ever spoken to someone that's gay? Yeah, them cool man, but me not really power on him. Why? Because if you say people are associated with them, why? That it's just it's just frankly ridiculous. The more that I think about. I have a, a bit of a follow-up question about that that connects to this idea of being able to have conversations, uh, the extent to which people are open to having those conversations. But I also wanted to connect it to your earlier point about being Christian. And I'm curious to know whether or not uh, your other Christian brothers and sisters or the church or the leadership, um, if it is that you have a home church, are open to having those kinds of conversations i mean similar to your point about oral sex i remember i was in sunday school years ago and i asked the the sunday school teacher well you know what if a woman um, wants to have a child on her own and she decides to you know go through artificial insemination and the response was kind of like oh well you know that's not really what god intended so in that kind of way the conversation was just shut down but i think i think you're right in terms of folks don't think that deeply about the reasons behind homophobia. It's kind of like, well, the Bible says so-and-so, but they aren't necessarily willing to have a conversation. So I'm curious as to whether or not you've been able to have those conversations. And then the second piece is, so you were talking about, you know, your previous experience as uh, um, being a racial minority in the U S but then you kind of like looped it back in terms of, you're thinking about how black people have historically been marginalized. Like, do you think your time in the U S has shaped the extent to which you are, I don't know if the word is open necessarily, but like the way that you're kind of thinking about some of these issues about like discrimination and so on. Okay. So that was a mouthful. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, I have to first ask myself, does the Bible say so? Um, and I don't really think that the Bible says so. So a lot of what we've heard is about Sodom and Gomorrah and all that sodomy and how we've gotten all of those words from as a result. I actually don't think that the Bible says, you know, burn out this and burn out that because you have contradictions right throughout. And I have, you know, recently done a lot of reading over the years, you know, but more so in recent times. And I've come to the realization that there's some dispute as to whether the Bible is actually talking about homosexuality. In that story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and etc. And it's actually saying that it may be referring to pedophilia, which actually makes more sense to me. But even if it wasn't, I feel like there's enough in the Bible to tell you that it was it was written by men inspired by God. And something written by men is still open to the biases of men. And it was written for a certain time. And it was written at a certain time where sexism was rife. And you, had, and you just see that the Bible is, is, is really, really sexist. Um, 
And so you, you really have to take whatever you're reading with a grain of salt. You have to read and understand that it was written 2,000 years ago. And you just have to, to make your own determinations because you were blessed with a brain, thankfully. And we can make our own determinations as to what the Bible actually wants us to get. And the Bible preaches love. Essentially, the Bible is telling you to love one another. And I do not believe that homosexuality has has any place in Christianity. Does the Bible, do, do Christians think so? I personally believe that Jamaica is a very conservative country. I believe that we are Trump voters at heart. Save for the racism, I, I've, I've seen this on Twitter where, where the argument has come up, and I actually agree. I feel like if it were not for the, the whole race side of it, I think that we'd actually vote for Trump. It's an, on the basis of our being such a conservative country. And that is, that is, that is very dangerous you know, when I think about it. Um, can you just re- refresh my memory as to what the second part of the question was? Yeah, I was asking if your time being in the U.S. Oh, okay. and thinking about the kind of like racial politics has kind of shaped how you've thought about some of uh, this. Personally, no, because I was um, in Delaware. Um, I was at the University of Delaware starting my PhD. And it was actually around the, the, the elections, 2016. And I remember the night when he won. So if you didn't know, um, probably would know, Delaware is a blue state predominantly. So. I never really encountered it, so I don't think it would have necessarily shaped how I believe or how I think. It's probably after that and interacting on social media where I started to actually, you know, look at certain things, um, look at, for example, gender relations as it relates to how men and women interact and how different races interact. And I just look at all the discrimination, all the hate, etc. And then I'd actually go and say, both into the open and into the real world and see how, how that looks in the real world as opposed to on social media. So through a lot of discourse, you know, having friends that I find that women are usually further along than men generally. We are the ones that really keep up this ignorance for the, for the greater part. And talking to them, you, you actually pick up a lot of things and I think that, yeah, I have more credit to credit it to social media rather than being in Delaware because everyone was really nice to me. I don't know if there was anything going on behind the scenes, but it was, it's pretty multiracial. It's, um, it's a college um, town where I was in. So you had a lot of Africans, you had Asians, you had other white people, you had people from the Caribbean. So, and the people there are generally um, left-leaning, more liberal, so... No, not necessarily so. So, <clears throat> I think I've brought up this conversation before, but I'm thinking also about like just the real world interactions between straight men and, 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 and queer men. I, and, and I focus on queer men primarily because there are, some, there are layered relationships with queer women and straight men. To an extent, there, there, there are straight men who have relationships with, with, with masculine presenting queer women, but then sometimes it goes ugly and turns into a, a situation that can lead to lead up to sexual assault. Um, but largely, those relationships are largely, you know, the dog then sit down and there's a 
quote unquote butch lesbian around them and she had one of them and then play ball and then something. But I'm I'm thinking about how the feminine queer man now interacts with um, just straight men on a hold or presumably straight men on a hold and the kind of something oftentimes contentious relationship that, that we tend to have with each other. And I was wondering um, your perspective on the whole notion that, you know, you know, the femme guy are throwing it in face. Where do you think that comes from? Um, and how have you come to the point where you are not bothered by seeing femininity in there? Oh, God. You know, that, that's it. You know, the what you call the flamboyant gay person. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, TJ is my regular watering hole. And I mean, <laughs> and you'd see them from time to time coming. And I mean, it's still a shock for me. Like, I feel like that's what we all feel, um, our straight men. Like, we see them and we say, like, Jesus Christ. And it's just like a chuckle and then it's on, on with the business. Um, I mean, some will still be violent and lash out and say, a girl. And I just feel like it comes back to the fragile not further, toxic masculinity. In the sense that we are expected to be hyper-masculine. We are expected to perform and, you know, even when you're winning their own, your dad, them, you're trying to to show that you're more masculine than the other man. That's how we view masculinity and being a man in Jamaica. And seeing someone that's just like polar opposite and you're, and, and you'd say, like, he's just, he's just weird. That is how I think men, straight men, think about people that are just openly and just, I guess, flamboyantly gay. And again, apart from TGI, I would be a frequent um, party goer, um, frequent on the soccer scene. And then you'd see them have, have see you. <laughs> <laughs> And you're there by yourself, you know, having having fun, etc. And I think generally uh, people are more welcoming in parties because you're there to have a good time. And you still, you know, you still heal whoever is whoever. And I think those those things are are I guess good for our culture, but we have to realize that those spaces are a bubble and not reflective of Jamaica as a whole. And say, for example, you go to the country, it's probably the same thing you're hearing. Like, all the people, those people are set in their ways. Um, I don't think you're going you're gonna to see the same thing. So, say, for example, Twitter. Twitter is a very, very, very liberal space. And you, you will see people being very, very, you know, old man, very, very accepting, etc. And, again, that's good. But, and especially on the internet, I mean, there's no actual physical person there. So you're able to interact. I mean, you don't care. You care only about the person's views. Um, I'm not so sure how that, how that would look in, in real life. But I guess, yeah, and I, I, credit, I credit social media a lot for how we think about this. But, I mean, power to you if you want, who you are. I mean, I feel like it's okay even as a straight man to dress a little bit differently. And we have this, like, this, this, this set way of dressing like this very bland and boring way of dressing. We're afraid to go out of our box. So maybe seeing someone that's way more expressive is, is really much of a shock. And, you know, I feel like we should be able to dress all the hell we want, like, without judgment. I don't care. 
if anytime when I try to dress differently, I get looked at. If you're not wearing a, a polo shirt and a jeans or, or a button-up shirt and a, and a jeans pants, you're looked at differently. And I think that that's just a cultural thing. So, yeah, it's, it's very cultural because, again, we're very, very conservative. So we're expecting a man to dress like this and a woman to dress like this. But I really, really think that it's a, it's a superficial barrier and it should really be done away with. I don't care. Once it looks good, you wear it. Um, it's interesting to hear how you've kind of reconciled your faith um, or your religion with these conversations of queerness and so on. Because I think the last, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I think the last um, straight man that we had on, that we interviewed, I think for him, it was like he could not understand how, like the teachings and how people treated queer individuals just did not add up. And so he was just like, yeah, no, this is. Um, And so he was like, you know, he ended up walking away from religion, right? I think that's what he said. Like it wasn't, I think, or he founded some other religion to participate in because Christian just wasn't doing it. So I was, that was interesting to hear. I'm wondering if like through your conversations, if you've had conversations with other straight men, um, what is, or what has been some of their own, like that knee jerk reaction, for example, when you see a flamboyant gay man, like, is it fear? Is it, is it just straight up hate, dislike? Like what, what is it? Like, what are, what are their perceptions? I really, really, I really do not think that we're that homophobic. I think it's just a performance. I really believe that, you know, all right, so for example, we'd be in a party and we have a time, we are dance, we are lift up girl, all sort of thing. Right. And we see, you know, we look over to the left and we see a group of 10 and they're clearly homosexual. They're clearly like, they're not ashamed or whatever. We'd laugh. They'd laugh. And just, just go go about it because at the end of the day, if there is no other man to judge you, you're you're just gonna be yourself. Mm. And even even so, for example, sexism or misogyny, a lot of that is performed as well. Because we're only, you see, all right. Do you remember? Well, it's a common common thing to say. Nobody love man more than Jamaican man, and that's true. And and that's straight men. Really? Yeah, man. Jamaican man love man. Like <laughs> that's oh, that's my first time hearing that. <laughs> oh man, like and I've seen it so many times, you know, we love man. And we do a lot of the things, we do a lot of straight things because of man. A man look at a girl like a girl, and you look the girl to impress another man. That's how we look at a lot of things, and we have a lot of biases because of what our friends will do. Then we go into the, the idea of oral sex, for example. We, 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 you know, that is why a lot of men do it and hide. Because they're afraid of what other men will think. And not necessarily what your partner will think. So, yes, I firmly believe that Jamaican man love man. I don't think I'm off the mark in saying that. I think we love man more than anything else. We love our friends more than anything else in the world. That's funny. I don't think that's off the mark at all. I've heard no. not not that particular kind of phrasing, but I have uh, read a few things recently that talk about the fact that so many uh, displays of masculinity is based on men trying to 
effect, effectively secure some kind of like status or respect from their other male counterparts. So like even in terms of like the the women, you know, men date or have sex with or how many of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's there's something there. I remember too, I when I was in high school, there would be um, older men who are talking about the fact that they would rather spend time at a bar or watching football or something than being with their girl and how like the girl needs to, like she needs to like wait her time because he's having his his man time, I guess, with his boys. But uh, I was wondering... Sorry? It's about acceptance. For sure, for sure. But I was also wondering... So, so you were talking about all these steps that people have to take um, or step or things that people um, do in terms of being macho and tough and, you know, whatever. And I'm wondering, is that... Does it ever get exhausting? Because that sounds exhausting to me, that you have to be always factoring these, you know, how are my friends going to feel about this thing that I do or what I wear or, you know, where I'm going and with whom, like, does it ever get exhausted trying to make sure you are displaying this uh, image of macho-ness? You know, something though, it doesn't actually matter to me. And that's the funny thing. I am a free spirit, so it doesn't really matter to me. But I can see, I can see where where it gets um, exhausting, as you put it. Um, We place a lot of value on our acceptance in social circles and essentially how we're viewed within a social circle. So you want to be at the top. Subconsciously or or wittingly, you want to be seen as at the top of your social circle, which then makes you more desirable to women. So you have men secretly competing against each other to be seen as the alpha within a group. So everybody is acting or trying to act like an alpha. So it, again, a lot of it, again, is still performance. But personally, I do not care. I do so, not care. Yeah, Glenn? Yeah, so yeah, because me, I want to know. So mm. I believe that. I do believe among gay men, um, you have the masculine type of performance like that. And then mm-hmm. also, I think, we fem gay men, we also we also have that kind of a competition. I said, you know, everybody I try to be the baddest bitch in the cut. I mean, I claim the title as a queen, but you know, I think it does mm-hmm. in different ways. Like whichever y'all are gonna look at us, which girl can vote the best, which girl can go on her head top the best, whichever. Like there are those types of competitions. But and this is what my question is, I feel like and goes back to my brotherhood sister with distinction, I feel like at least with each other, there's the, we're allowed, we give each other room to be vulnerable. We give each other room, not everybody, but we definitely give each other room to cry, to get vexed, to talk about our emotions. And I wonder, I'm seriously wondering because sometimes I worry for the streets. Because one on the tomorrow on the my wife in the matter and properly and something like that don't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I but yeah, when, when, when do you relax? When do you, so when, when, do, when do you stop performing and just leave? I mean, of course, it doesn't apply to you, but I'm wonderful sometimes. Like, when do you just relax? I mean, I perform. I still perform sometimes. You have to do that. I mean, at okay. the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're a man, and you have to be seen as a man. But I don't think it's as it's as myopic as you say. I feel like we still have ample space to talk about our feelings. 
but in a different way. It's still it's still framed as, around masculinity and say a girl breaks your heart. You're still you're, you're gonna joke about it. That's how we go, go about everything. Like straight men laugh about everything. We'll just maybe joke and you know that song in Invasion, them girl are wicked. We just laugh about it and try to, you know, say, all right, you know, dog, just get over it, man. You have, you have such and such and such, such and such, like building up each other. So it's a different way. We're, we're not like bursting into tears, getting our tissues and all of that. But we have a different way of coping with it. In a way that that's just to laugh about it, but also get to the deeper issues. So it's not as bad as you say. Okay, fair enough. So there's, there's healthy discourse. There's, okay. there's room for, for emotions. There's room for feelings, but just in a different way. News to me. What? <laughs> News to me. I mean, I would love to be in that space, not really participating, okay. but just observing. Just to, Because for me, it just doesn't feel like stuff get dealt with because, and I, maybe I'm um, generalizing too much, but... I don't know. When I think of just male spaces, predominantly mm. male spaces, and maybe I don't give straight men enough credit, I just think of toxic maybe. masculinity. I think maybe. of toxicity. Yeah. I think of all the stereotypes that um, have been imposed on men in general that are, I feel like, affirmed and reinforced in those spaces. So, I mean, if I dare tell her, if I want to send a deal with it, then... I mean, I mean what, what's your sample size, though? What's your sample size? I don't really have, I mean, I don't really have a sample size. I mean, I just think when I, I guess, and again, it could just be my own like experiences, right? Because when I grew up, I was the flamboyant um, gay man that grew up in Jamaica, that came of age in Jamaica. And then even here where I live in the United States, it's predominantly like there are a lot, it's a strong immigrant community and not mm-hmm. to mention Jamaicans. And so I have, like, I, I'm constantly in, um, in contact with that kind of feeling of performing, right? Trying to, when I go into certain spaces, and it is exhausting for me at least, when I go into, like, Jamaican spaces, trying to be as unassuming as possible so that people won't easily sniff me out, for lack of a better word, and start, like, with the whole... Um, Watch about too. Because I mean, my brother, my brother, and my father works at Jamaican restaurants. So when I go into those spaces, depending on the day, like yesterday, I'm going to the space with my mother and back from my shoulder, my nails because I'm just never in the mood. Like it's exhausting. I, like I started thinking about all the ways that I need to like shape shift and code switch in order to just go into literally go into the restaurant for 10 seconds, get my car keys from my brother, and then go back out. Because there's a whole line of just Jamaican men. But yesterday I just wasn't in the mood. Other times I'm thinking about okay. You can see my nails. I'm tucking them in my pocket. I'm if I have a bag, I'm trying to like make it look like almost like it's not mine. Like just all those different things. So maybe it's just me still thinking about those spaces and hearing the conversations that happen in those spaces. I mean, there's a broad spectrum. Which high school did they attend? No, 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 no. I've listened to a few couple two. But before you answer, I get. Head, which is maybe we so people like me and you and, and to an extent Cornell um, we'll never see it because they will always put on the show when we're around so I guess maybe that's also a part of it that like we trigger the stage in a kind of way we trigger the performance in a kind of way mm-hmm. maybe they're prepared to send the signal 
and to start the show because we are there, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I think it's the same thing with women, men in relation to women. So women, I guess your view is kind of weird to me, a, a bit of news to me, because that's not how I, I view the, the hetero space at this point in time. And I feel like women, the way how I hear or I see women talk about men, I'm saying like, which men are you talking to? So for example, I'm from Spanish town. Most of my friends are from Spanish town. And people are afraid of Spanish town. You'd expect Spanish town or Spain man to be homophobic. Or that, that, that caricature that you're a man to be. That's why I'm really asking him which school he went to because that's just strange to me. And again, with, along with everything, it, it exists on a spectrum. So you have maybe the older set and who are just setting their ways at this point. And you have maybe someone that grew up in the ghetto, for example. Um, and I don't want I don't want to I don't want to say you know all ghetto people are like that, but I can just see where the, the more violent forms of homophobia will come up. So someone that will be more accepting. So it's a spectrum. So I'd like that's why I ask what's your sample size because if you have a large enough sample size, then you'd see a wider range of the spectrum. I feel like most of my friends are fairly tolerant and getting more and more tolerant. So yeah, it's a little bit strange to me. I mean, and, and probably just before someone else comes in, I feel like it, it, it boils down to positionality because in my years, I never see one straight man vulnerable yet. But you're, you're not all Glenra. You don't know that. Supposed mm-hmm. to read No, get into that. Yeah, you're about the same age. So you, you went to school when it was like, as you're describing. No, but what I'm saying is, is that the kinds of vulnerabilities and the kinds of like, working through the emotions that you're talking about, I never, I never been to it yet. And I think all of that boils down to positionality, where I am. Where I'm literally on the outside, and I think that's the same position that the rest of us have, that we are sitting on the outside. And so we're not going to the nuance. We're not to the spectrum. What we see yeah. is one, one different sets of performance. And then when we see persons like you or... Um, Douglas, we see the exceptions to the rule. Right. We don't, we don't see Is it? the nuance. We don't yeah, see. I mean, because even, even yeah. like Jamaican spaces that I've been, the, and I'm talking about men like outside of my family members. Like, of course, my family members are going to speak up for me and so on. Um, well, a few of them. But I've never been in a space where the gay bashing starts and there's one person who says, who'll stay, like, I guess, put their reputation on the line for lack of a better term, right? Like to say, no man, nobody bother with that, load that alone. Or just, just something as simple as, when I forgot on this, on that part there, something of that sort. Like I've never been in that space. It just, it's just been allowed to like continue. And of course, picking and choosing my battles, I'm not necessarily feeling comfortable to be like, all right, hold on, like, wait a minute, I'm here and this is the conversation that's happening. Like I went to a comedy show and I mean, it's a joke. Fine. And the person was like, let us stand for Jamaican national anthem. And of course everybody stand up, right hand cross left. We go. The, the position was supposed to take <laughs> one of the national anthem. And, and the national anthem. No, but then put them, tell them, put them on right hand cross the left yeah. chest. And 
the, the, the national anthem was boom bye bye in Abati boy aid. And of course, the whole place erupted. I mean, Nagalai made a laugh kind of because it's like, ah, but for, I felt pressured to laugh also. But I'm just saying, like, they're in spaces like those, nobody's like, no, nobody's not going to do that comedy space. I don't expect it, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I've never been in a space like that. Feel free, Lemar, to ask us questions because I'd love to, I mean, we'd love to be able to. Yeah, like where we possibly can. Yeah, I think we, I, I, I think I'll have to stand up for straight men at this point now. Because <laughs> <laughs> so they're just presenting us to be like, and I think again, women do this a lot. Like straight men don't have any depth whatsoever, whatsoever, and I feel like we're partly to blame for that. Because I remember when this Black Lives thing was Black Lives Matter thing was at its peak, fever pitch, and I realized that it was ninety percent black women I realized that the men were silent and I'm sure that a lot of them would have wanted to speak up but they were just so silent tweeting other things posting other things and I'm saying why and I feel like we do ourselves a disservice in in many spheres so women think we're robots and I feel like straight men will pour out them heart to them bridging more readily than they would pour their heart to a woman because they are afraid to be seen as vulnerable. Because let's face it, biology dictates that women are attracted to alpha presenting men. And any form of weakness is a turn off. So even though women say they want a man who can be, you know, home with them and vulnerable, at the end of the day, they, they probably don't. They want the guy that's, you know, massive. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, let me frame, let me, let me tie that together, sir, please. So that is when you when you look at a girl, right? Once you're once you and I denim, that's a different thing. That's where you can actually show your full range. But in terms of to try to, you know, look somebody, you can't show that vulnerability. So that's why women are saying, like, we are the guys and whatever, whatever. But it's just something in building us and it and it comes back to you now. That is where that performance comes about. You are around your, your bridging. You're not going to show your range. If, if, if your other friend them a clone, um, a set of gay guys, you're going to clone them as well or you're just going to remain silent. And that's the silence I see when serious things come about. For example, I saw on Twitter where they were, they were revealing suspected rapists. And also with the Tory Lane situation. The people that would actually hit out against Tory Lanes, some a lot of them decided to remain silent. And silence is, is seen as complicitness in that in that in that in that scenario. So we do ourselves a disservice. If men were just more vocal and not be afraid of what their other friends would think or what their women would think, then we'd all be in a better place. Because I don't view the reality of Jamaican men or men as a whole to be what you're describing. Again, I do not see myself as the exception to the rule. I see myself as something closer to the rule. It's just that the men are not showing their full range. And I blame us for that. I, so my question then would, and I guess it's also like a follow-up, because I'm always willing to take 
well, as of lately, I've been willing to take responsibility, right? And be accountable to myself for myself or whatever. So I would like to ask, do you think that there are ways um, that since you're saying that this is happening in, on a wider scale than we might believe, do you think that there are ways that gay men or just queer people in general um, create an atmosphere that our straight brothers can't really, I guess, talk or have those conversations or be them the full range of emotions? Um, yeah, do do you think that we are that we are responsible? Glenroy's reaction that killed me. Are we that we are responsible partly for setting an atmosphere and environment that does not welcome that kind of thing? Maybe, maybe, but maybe. All right, you, do you want to go, Glenn? No, I was just saying for the record, I think it's a good question. I think it's an excellent question. I think I think it's the same again with women. Because, and it's like an oppressor-oppressed situation. Black, white, man, woman, straight, gay. I feel, and I've had conversations with gay men about this. There's like this combativeness. And I remember you said something to me, Glenn, that you're, you're not going to go up and talk to a straight man just so you have to come and talk to you. That's because of what you've grown to expect. Like, you're, you're un- understandably guarded. I think that most women are guarded and understandably so. But when the when the guard becomes somewhat overbearing and, and it's not only it's not only a guard, no, it's like an impenetrable shield. That's what it is now. So how do we break down the shield? And I feel like it has to start with I guess people like me who are more open and more open spaces to actually discuss this. Um so you have to I, I foresee a lot of um, discourse on a public level to actually get the people talking, the people that aren't afraid to talk or people that may have previously been afraid to talk, to get them to talk. Um, as it relates to your own shield, your own shield will have to come over time, you know. Maybe, again, it's like meeting each other halfway. Men and women have to meet each other halfway. Black and white have to meet each other halfway and straight and gay have to meet each other halfway. Because I feel like, personally, this whole men are trash thing, for example, it won't work in this current dispensation because it's just like a combative thing. It has a negative connotation where you say men are trash and men are going to be defensive. I hope that gay people don't have something like that straight or something further down the line because it, it only creates division. So I believe that you have to approach these things from a place of love from a place of understanding that people are different and we're at different stages in our development, as, as J. Cole said, actually, in a song. You have to understand that not everybody will be at the same, just like, like different educational levels. You have to understand that people, not everyone is as smart as you or went to the school or whatever. So you have to meet them somewhere. And I feel like all the discourse in terms of all oppressor and oppressed We'll have to meet each other halfway. Misogyny is not going to end if you continue to bash men. I'm sorry, it just will not end. Homophobia will not end as long as it's it's a battle, it's a war. And that's how I view that personal, that that whole dilemma that we're faced with. As this young generation comes up, I hope that we are more open to, to actual discourse, you know, even with cancel culture coming about. 
where you're canceling someone and the person, instead of trying to meet the person halfway, like try to understand why they think so. Instead of, you know, just bashing them and being holier than thou and say, yo, let's cancel him and never buy this or never watch his, uh, his videos or never listen to his songs. Why? These people, we are all human. And even that is a form of discrimination. And we are, we are, we are running a, a serious risk here. Of, of performing this wokeness that will never get us anywhere. So I think, personally, it has to be a lot of discourse. And, you know, I hope that more like me are willing to actually talk about a lot of these things. I think that men and women need to have this big, long discussion as well. Oh, yeah. That's pretty disgraceful, actually. Yeah, on the streets, we have a lot of problems. Like, Boy, I'm not telling you. I go at it, go at it back and forth all the time. And I really just over this way with the batman in the corner, be like, look at them. <laughs> yeah, I see it every day. Like, me wonder why why are these women so angry? And I feel like, what? Well, okay, who? Back ourselves in a corner. No, I'm actually saying that they are justifiably angry. Okay. But we have backed ourselves into a corner where there's no room for there's no room for anything. Nothing. It's just dead. It's just. They will get up and, and say men are this and men are that and the man is going to come and say female, 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 female and we're never going to get anywhere at this point. I have, I have many thoughts, but I probably don't have the time to say all the things eloquently. I did want to respond briefly to Karen's point about you know gay men being responsible and my thing is that there is an uneven dynamic there um, in terms of how gay men and straight men are positioned. I do think that the the stakes are also different as well, because even in terms of the extent to which uh, gay men decide to be more open, that can still result in a certain kind of like physical harm. So in terms of the point about being defensive or having the shield up, that is, that's there for, for a reason, right? Because, I mean, depending on the, the particular situation or the group of men, they won't hesitate to, to beat your ass either. Um, the point, the discussion earlier about sample size was also interesting. I think it is very, it's like that we are all thinking about this based on the particular group of people that we are around. So you know, maybe our experience is that we know a bunch of people that have had these particular set of experiences with gay men, um, but you're also saying that based on the group of people that you've been around, that is not the kind of masculinity that you have uh, seen or experienced. But I don't think that's to say these things don't exist. I don't know. We aren't doing like a statistical situation here, but I, I do think the, the, the stories that gay men and straight women Sheer are actually far more common than we might be suggesting. No, but I don't think he was to his, I mean, not really credit or defense, but I don't think he was saying they don't exist. I think he's saying, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Lamar, that from where he, he's not seeing them, and I think the point that he made, which is critical, is that straight men aren't doing a good job of selling themselves. Mm. I think that's what he said. They're not doing a good job of saying, of showing the, the, the differences and nuances. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. That's not to take away from the reality that I mean, homophobia is a very right thing um, and we know there's discrimination 
may have the data and the research. So it wouldn't have mattered um, if he knows a few good strikers. But I think it's about, I think what he's trying to do is complicate the, the, the single story that we all, we on the other side have, which is the straights are a problem, men are trash, which is steeped in value and statistical reality, but it's a value and a statistical reality from that's also, that's also affected by our positioning versus, so it's where this boils onto you're in the house and outside the house and what you're able to see and the reality that you're able to experience and be complicated by that. So he's seeing, so we're both looking through the same windows. So the window that I guess the can see some of the discrimination, some of the problems, and we're outside seeing all of it. But at the same time, we're outside looking through the same window, seeing the, the, the negative things that straight men are doing. And we're not in, seeing the corners of the house where they're being vulnerable, where they're challenging attitudes and when they're growing and changing. And I think that's, I think that's what I got from the, the conversation. Until I'm going to further clarify now that, and let me say this categorically, men are trash. Men are trash. Um, I feel like men are the greatest. Men. Men. Mm, men. <laughs> men. Men. Also, me men are straight men. Men, men, men. Yeah, men are trash. What do you mean? Men are trash. Like, men are the greatest danger to women. Men are the greatest danger to themselves. Men are trash. But I'm, I'm trying to look at the, the solutions and the positives. Take the positives from the, positives from the negatives. So, for example, going back to Tory Lanez. There's no defense for Tory Lanez, but yet they still wanted to hear his side. So on that basis alone, that whole discussion, men are trash. I'm not going to say that men aren't trash or try to you know, paint a rosy picture. I'm saying that even in that, in that sense, I feel like men still aren't selling themselves properly. And I feel like a lot of it is because of the whole idea of performance. Men, men see no benefit in showing the nuances and the depth that they have. So it's for the people that are more open to drown out the noise, drown out all of that nonsense, you know. I still want to hear Tory Lane inside and whatever, tra- whatever he said, they would have believed it. But if the people that were silent who actually wanted to condemn him actually spoke out, all of that would have been drowned out. So we are not selling ourselves. So we are still painting a disproportionate, disproportionate picture to both um, gay men and to women and to the larger society. So we are doing our dis- ourselves a disservice. But we are also trash, unequivocally. Like we have so many, so many things that are just ingrained into our psyche that we'd have learned growing up in a very, very conservative country. And just that's just the reality. And so the time technically is too up, but my gear time for asking some questions. Um maybe we can get to our team, you know. Whatever. Yeah, I still didn't get the answer to to you, um, Karim. Uh-huh. Which school did they attend? Oh, I went to Wilmers. The John Wilmers. But, but Wilmers is one of the best schools in Jamaica. It is. And the people where they go there, they still drunk, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it not allowed? It is. You went, it, to the mean, worst, you went to the worst school in Jamaica. Mm. You for say so. Man, I'm trying to fight there. No, man. I, I'm from the outside and I can just fairly, I can just unleash. Um, Let me be a case so, of 
that is a waste what of time. What are your respective experiences um, in the States and in Canada as opposed to in Jamaica? I mean, of course, there's like the, the, the stark difference or contrast is that I am kind of like even celebrated in certain spaces. I'm not going to act like there isn't still some hint of homophobia here because I've definitely been in spaces where this one dude told me there's too much, what did he say? There's too much pussy in America for me to be gay or some shit. But like, it's not, it's nowhere close to where I was in Jamaica, even in some of the more traditional Caribbean or Jamaican spaces. So like, it's still, I get the stairs and I think here we have to an extent certain kind of laws and so on protecting us. So it's like, you could look, it's like almost like you could look, you could say what you want, but you can't touch. And so um, I've been, and my experience is not necessarily, I don't think it's a model because I think it's kind of like the exception. I've been mostly celebrated in spaces that I, that I move to and from. So it's not as, it's not as bad. It's not as close as when I was growing up. Cause when I definitely came here, I was like, Oh my God, freedom. Um, but yeah. So I'm guessing because you mentioned like PhD studies, so I'm, I'm guessing that it's more an intellectual space. Um, not really. It's not just because I, I do a lot of community engagement work. So I'm in some areas that people consider the hood or what or the ghetto or so on. And even in those spaces, which it might be a different dynamic, like a kind of maybe the power dynamic that plays in, right? Because I'm not really living there. I mean, I live, I don't live in, yeah, even where I live, I don't necessarily get that much of a um, pushback or anything. Because when I'm not in those spaces and I'm just on, I'm just a guy going grocery shopping or just a guy walking on the avenue to go to the store. I don't get that kind of, um, it's not as obvious. Maybe I don't see it because I think people around me definitely do see it because I have friends who are like, you don't see that, you don't see him staring at you. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like now I'm not, I'm not really paying that much attention to it. So maybe so it happens. Is that your, when on a regular day, you, you'll dress like a man, right? Um... I wouldn't say dress like a man. Um, I dress, I might, I don't think I'm that masculine presenting when I go out. I think it's definitely a bit of androgyny um, because people definitely, because even in when I'm wearing masculine clothes or men clothes, quote unquote, um, people are still kind of, make the assumption that I'm wearing women's clothing. And I'm like, nah, sis, this is from Forever 21, men. But, but, but to be fair, I think gay men dress way better than straight men. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, you said it. I thought it. Yeah, but because you're always Yeah. Man for rough, man for ugly. That, that's the stereotype, right? Isn't that so sad, though? That, that you can't yeah. wear nice clothing because someone might think... Yeah, I mean... Everyone that I know that dresses well, there are suspicions of them being gay. I know. That's and that's sad. so weird to me. Like to to think that somebody because them take care of themselves, you know, they are seen as possibly gay. That's that's just and it's all just ridiculous when you look at it again. You gotta give them a whole different name. Metrosexuals. They can't just be a yeah, man who dresses nice. Yeah, I've heard that I'm metro, like me, me just fling on anything, but whatever. Um, so, Carnell, same question to you. So, what was the question? Your experiences um, living in Canada. What are my experiences in Canada? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, a, as, a, as opposed to in Jamaica. I don't... 
I don't feel the same sense of dread. I was paranoid for the first few years that I moved here because I was um, around a group of Jamaican people who made it very clear that they are against uh, gay people. Like the idea of yeah, anything having to, to, to do with gay people was still very much, they were homophobic in that sense. Um, I'm no longer around those people. But I mean, no one... No one seems that that bothered. I mean, I don't have to... I mean, luckily for me, I don't have to engage straight people much in my day-to-day existence. And so being here has provided an opportunity where in my social, my private life, my professional life, I am, for the most part, surrounded by people who are gay or lesbian or bi or trans or queer in some form, or queer adjacent, for that matter, um, and so I don't, I don't experience the same day-to-day kind of fear that I had in Jamaica, which is quite nice. The one time I've been to Jamaica since I left, I was paranoid the entire time and that wasn't very fun. So, you know. And now to tie it in, because I'd, I'd love to actually hear from Glenn. So what are your experiences? Because I would, this is the one that I'm most interested in. As well. Wait, what kind of experience do I hear about? How often you know, like, you seem to, because you're not going to talk to a straight man just so, I want, I'm wondering why. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. Because I'm not on nobody, right? And um, so for me, what it is, is in my experience, straight men regard me with distrust or disdain in different ways. And so, me, all right with me, they like, me, I, yeah, I have a good life, I have, you know, me, me, I do my thing. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need, at this stage, I really don't need new friends, per se. And if, I, what I've learned, having gone to an all-boys school, um, I mean, go you, you, you realize that it's a bit more complicated than that. You know, there are, you know, decent straight men out there who don't have an issue. But for me, there's, there, with most straight men, there are very few points of convergence for me. Most of them don't watch Jaggers, for example. When they now watch Real Housewives, we, we don't have a lot in common. The most we might do um, is play video games because that, that's probably one of the few things that I do that. And I don't know that. You don't know what? I'm not playing a game. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably one of the few things. But, right, so there are very few points of convergence. So, one, it's very unlikely we're going to be friends, anyways. And two, like Cardinal says, you don't you don't know who are who, you don't know where on the spectrum the particular straight man falls. And the reality is depending on the spectrum, it might end up in a one totally life-threatening way. So I'm not very scared, but then also because I'm them, straight men have this thing where they think to now look them and I don't want y'all niggas, right? Categorically, if you tell me say straight, that is it, that is kaput. I don't want to know. I'm gonna want nobody out there thinks that I want them when we more than most of them. So why am I gonna look on them? Like, that's my thing. So, for me, that's it. You know, nobody ever make the mistake and think some more on them when we don't. I think one of the most offensive things someone can say to me is that they try to turn them, change them, convert them. And so, to avoid all of the offense and the disrespect um, of being presumed to want you, I just leave you alone and because it's not going to change my day one way or the other. So, that's why I, I just leave them alone because, you know, I want to presume things. I think, and the reason why I said enough, I approach me first. Then you will just say, all right, you will 
because uh, you're good with your of you see me as a human being, presumably, and not a stereotype, and therefore I, we can engage on that basis. But you don't know where you have in your head, and it, it might end up good for me. So, and you're right, my wall is up, my defense is up, because that is usually the presumption that you want them, that you want something from them. And because there's nothing we have in common, it doesn't make no sense. So, yeah, that's what. Yeah, I mean, your feelings are valid. Um, it's quite unfortunate, but your feelings are valid. Um, yeah, it, it, it is what it is at this point. It is what it is. My last question, though, is realistically, because my view on it is that there are people you will gel with and there are people that you won't gel with. I'm just wondering, though, what would be the points of convergence? Maybe not necessarily for Glenroy, because there are gay men. They will mm. have because there are points of convergence. Um, and so I just feel like I'm just one of those gay men where, because I'm more on the feminine side and I like particular things, less points of convergence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not particularly, and, and I don't put straight men on a pedestal, so it's not like I need a friendship from or any kind of relationship with any of them. So I'm just wondering what are those potential points of convergence? Well, look here now. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we are all men and we're all going through life. That's the point of convergence. You can't talk about life. I feel like the whole are we go through stress. Um, me have got through woman stress. You have got through man stress. Hopefully not. Yes. <laughs> we just talk about life, like. And for the record, um, do you do you watch Pose? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. All right. See, no, it's a big series. Um, yeah. Big up yourself, Lemar. Big up yourself. Watch P Valley, by the way. Huh? Watch P Valley. No, you're pushing it now. No, no, wait, ah, if you watch Pose, you can't watch people in the guy. I'm just a fan of a fan of series. So I watch it from, from episode one. Yeah, but you are eight episodes alone, did it? You know, me, me are P Valley ambassador. It's actually a really good show though. Like Alright, what's up? What's up it to me to remind me? I will get a bootleg link on my arm. <laughs> but I will not go to desperate housewives and all that stuff. Uh oh. That's just for me. It's also it's nice, but we're not gonna get into it and whatever. <laughs> but okay. No, I'm a, I'm a TV snob. I'm a TV snob. I take the point that there are points of convergence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the question ends up being what will take us that what will get the different groups to a place where we can start to find those points of convergence. Yeah. The onus is on straight men. The kind of signpost say, I am not a dangerous. Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. I feel. Okay. Like- has been the engine of change and the engine of a lot of things. Okay. We've seen where national discussions have come about and national changes have come about simply from people talking on, on Twitter. So yeah. why not actually start the discussion there? People have like a hashtag. Yeah, of course. Like get it get it trending in within a day. We actually talk about these things. And I'd hope that something similar goes for men and women. Without women, you know, lecturing men and getting them defensive, and without men pandering to their male friends, I think that we could actually do this. I think Twitter is is it's there, and it's it, it's good that it's open. Everyone can agree to disagree, and I, I hope that that's where it goes from cancel culture. I hope that cancel culture morphs, where it actually goes away from cancel culture, but actually teaching and learning culture. Because we all have something to learn from each other, and I think that that's what miss that's that's what's missing in the whole discussion. 
Why not? Start a hash then. And that is where we leave it, sufficiently. Just love. <laughs> oh, one moment for saying. Yeah, that, that, that's nice because they it's our art over time. But thank you so much, Lemar, for coming and sharing your unfiltered perspectives as always. Um, uh, you know, I think I think it's good that Fishy gets to have the, be this kind of platform to have these conversations that have been different levels of comfort, but at least. I guess moving from this, you can have a, a different perspective. Um, and I definitely like from this conversation. It was, there are points where I was like, okay, I'm going to take more that. True. So, um, so thank you to all our listeners. Um, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Well, and more subscribe. subscribe. Follow. Yes, and subscribe, yeah. Yeah. On our, all our pages at Fish Tea Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Um, listen to us on where I was gonna say, um, follow us on all podcast platforms, rate us, do up, do some feedback, you know, do it with something a review, review, review us, let us know, share your feedback with us via email as well, which podcast at gmail.com. And as I always say, stay safe. Bye. Bye. <laughs>